Oh, should we go back to talking about hauntings? Yeah, sure. Okay, hang on, because I'm moving my table so it's closer to my crotch. There we okay. go. Okay. There's a crotch in my table. What am I going to do? There's I, a crotch on no, my table. The, what am I going to do? I'm going to get that crotch. That's what. I'm gonna do. No, I'm gonna other way. Crutch. Oh, there's a there's a table in my crutch. What am I gonna do? There's a table in my crutch. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna get that table. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get that table. Between the present and the past, memories held in the walls and earth, energies and entities that cross the barrier into our dreams and our consciousness. That which has been left behind between the living and the dead. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is Is The the Residuals. Residuals. Have you ever seen Hocus Pocus? No. Oh God, really? <laughs> All of our what listeners just lost you? their minds. Everyone listening, Christ it's joy. fine. It's okay. I can name lots of things I'm sure you guys haven't seen that I have. Name one. Europa Europa. Well, this is episode two of season two. I'm Emily. Deuce Deuce. I'm Joy. And this is... I hope you you all enjoyed episode one with Mm -hmm. our delightful friend Marcelo. So good. So scary. Um, And his chinchilla. And needles. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyway, and uh, yeah. But uh, we're back with a spooky Halloween special for you guys. Um, But before we start, we uh, hit well over 4,000 downloads. We did. Thank you. Little so show. much. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't it, believe it. <laughs> it, might, it. You know, for us, it's like, holy shit. This, yeah. this started at a kitchen table and is now happening at the same kitchen table on my end in Joy's bedroom. But in my bedroom, which is yeah. also my husband's post-production office. So, there we go. you know. Good at multitasking over here. But yeah, um, thank you. And also, we've had it. We apparently have a, a large following now in Washington D.C. Hey, what's up, D.C.? <laughs> you should be a state. <laughs> you need a distraction right now. Let's face it, we're with That's you. That's right. Ghosts are less scary than the White House. We planned on doing sort of a themed Halloween episode for yeah. you. Um, we're going to be focusing on. You know, basically the grandparents of <laughs> this entire paranormal investigatory uh, movement that has happened in America, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like I'm so excited. Yay! Like, That's like the crowd, the people listening in their in their houses, locked inside. Yeah, in their bathrooms, hiding from their children. Who doesn't do that? I'm very proud. My child has started calling it the loo. I am oh, slowly oh! but surely making her British in America without watching Peppa Pig because Peppa Pig is, she is a, I don't like her. Sorry. Let's get back to talking about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. um, uh, You have a personal connection with them. 
well, not, I wish I had a more personal connection. Um, in, in the same in, room, breathing the same air connection. In 90, 1998 and, and I believe 1999, I think it was a two year in a row thing. Um, I saw them at UConn, which is the University of Connecticut, um, in stores, Connecticut, for their Halloween, like October annual lecture that they would do. But the big deal with their lectures was that they were doing things that other people weren't doing. Like, we weren't all on the internet. We didn't have phones in our pockets that showed us the entire world. Like, so like how it is now, we had newspapers and some stuff on the internet, but it was not like, just there for you to find everything when you ask Google. You had a dial-up uh, modem and AOL. Yeah, yeah. Chat yeah. rooms. And sometimes if your screen name had anything to do with Smashing Pumpkins, which mine always did, you got kicked out of chat rooms just for being a nerd until Melancholy came out and then it was cool. Um, yeah, I saw them. And the, the thing, just to touch, first of all, that was really important about these lectures was they didn't just get up there and tell you ghost stories. They played cassette tapes that they had recorded at seances or exorcisms they had performed. They showed us video footage of exorcisms and ghosts and like stuff that still is burned in my brain that I will never, ever forget. Like what? Um, stuff, footage of ghosts, plural, in Eastern Connecticut and the Union Cemetery there, which yes. is like... Yes. I mean, these are... The white well, lady. Can, yes. Did you see the white lady? I saw the white lady. Oh, and shit. not just that, they show them, like, there are two, I think it was two black, like, I'm, I'm thinking of this in my head, like, it happened to me, like, two nights ago. That's so clearly, I still remember it. But you can see this white figure in the cemetery. But what's more frightening is that in front of her, you see black human-shaped shadows jumping in front of her. Shut like they're trying to stop her. I have up. goosebumps talking about it right now on the other side of the country. Like, I think my fingertips just got goosebumps and I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> so was it actual human people trying to catch her or were those other no, ghosts? No, they were like shadow people. <gasps> stop her. Easton, the Union Cemetery is yeah, cemetery is like terrifying, and I've driven by it. I have been there. I went okay. there on purpose because I grew up in Connecticut, and the Warrens lived in Connecticut, and they were they grew up in Connecticut too. They got married here. They started their family here, and this is where they started going up to people's homes and sort of like. I don't know, doing a really good job of selling themselves unexpectedly to get in the door and check out a haunted house. The documentary that I will be referencing through a lot of this episode um, was The Devil's Road from Shock Docs, which is on A&E. No, it's on mm -hmm. Travel, right? Um, yeah. So it's The Devil's Road, and it's just a whole documentary about Ed and Lorraine and... I mean, it starts with them, like, as kids in high school and how they met at the movie theater and when they got married on, like, Ed's fucking survivor leave from the Navy after his ship went down and he was, like, miraculously saved. Yeah. Um, crazy story. But they said he would paint for the tourists that came by in Connecticut. 
And then they started going to haunted houses and like painting the house. And he said, what was the quote? I have it written down somewhere, but it was like with her Irish charm, you know, like Lorraine would go up and be like, my husband painted this of your house. Do you see ghosts? Oh, we can come in. Cool. And like, they slowly just word of mouth, like built up themselves as being like legit ghost hunters. Right. Ed was always a skeptic. And Lorraine had had psychic um, tendencies. I don't know how to put that better right now. But mm-hmm. she was later um, described as a light trance medium. Um, but she, you know, it was something that she never talked about growing up. So they finally would start going out and doing this. And, like, word of mouth spread. And pretty soon, like, the 60s and 70s, people were calling them pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were called to the UK for the Enfield haunting. Oh, really? Yeah, they were called in for that. Okay. I mean, yeah, that regularly on like Paranormal State and like any other thing, any other show that was on. Who, if you could call in Ed and Lorraine Warren, you did. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that was where I first was introduced to Lorraine, and that was what 2007 Paranormal State first came on. The first time you knew about her. Well, yeah, that was, Um, and that was the first time I saw something on TV that really was like, oh, this is shit that I'm fascinated with. This is something that I love. And this is real people around my age Mm -hmm. doing this. I found that fascinating. I love that show. I was just watching old episodes of it the other day. Um, I, I loved it. And yeah, I was the same way anyway. But like with the Warrens, because of where my family was we were in Stanford Connecticut they were up the line in Monroe and anything that happened around there and I stayed in that area so even when I moved for college to Rhode Island I would still hear about them because they were doing stuff in the area right um so for me like I almost don't remember a time that I didn't know who they were because they were around for they started doing this before I was born (laughs) right um they started doing the ghost hunting thing and they did the Enfield one you're talking about in the UK, which yeah. you have to look that up more. I probably know it, but I can't think. Oh of my it God. Right There's a really good um, no. m- movie that was done about it. Um, and they weren't featured in it really for some reason. It was with the, uh, the original, like one of the first UK paranormal um, things. I'll send you the link. It's, mm-hmm. It's a crazy haunting, and it's somewhat similar to the haunting. I might be talking about it at some point. Oh, well, see, Enfield, I would never think is the UK because there's an Enfield, Connecticut. So yep. if I ever heard Enfield, I would have been like, oh, that's in Connecticut. Too. <laughs> right. Um, but, I mean, they got called in for the Enfield one. They got called in for um, the Conjuring House which was turned into a film in 2013, which, I mean, that spawned a whole series of films based on things that had happened to them. And right. Annabelle and all of that stuff. Um, Amityville, they were originally called into Amityville. Yeah. They were called into um, the story that I'm going to talk about, which was the Bridgeport Poltergeist in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Ooh. That happened in 1974 um, at Lindley Street. And that, I've also driven by that house. (laughs) Like, that's why this is so, like, it's so close to me. Um, My sister and I will talk about the Warrens, and we always say, oh, Lorraine always just reminds us of Grandma. (laughs) 
<laughs> I always love the way she had her hair and her little bun. Yes. Yes. Um, just want to let you know that Enfield Haunting movie, it's on Hulu. You can stream oh. it. And it's so good. And it's got uh, Timothy Spall in it, who I love as an actor. Um, it, it's just, it's it's so good. Oh, hang on. Union Cemetery. I was looking that up because I almost did that. Yeah. And I was reading about there was a state trooper driving by mm-hmm. who the white lady popped out of nowhere in front sure. of his car. Yeah. Hit the white lady. <gasps> it was real enough that it did significant damage to his car, like he'd hit a real human being. Mm. And they were nowhere, anywhere near him. Unless he hit a real person and he hid the body somewhere in the woods and was like, it was a ghost. I mean. You never know. It's Connecticut. No offense. I in a quiet back road and a cop hit something. Could could be anything or anyone that caused the damage to that car. Could be a ghost. Could be a a telephone actual person. He wasn't making he wasn't paying attention while he was getting some roadhead on duty. Could be. It was it was National Lampoons when her head got stuck, right? Yes. Yeah. So, all right. Yep. Hmm. So, speaking of police <laughs> possibly doing one thing and then changing their stories, in 1974, <laughs> the Warrens were called to investigate a house in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Ooh. It was... Sunday, November 24th, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 1974, to reiterate, mm-hmm. this was 966 Lindley Street in Bridgeport, which, you know, people like to say if the nine flips around, it will say uh, 660. I'm just going to throw it out that. there. I don't want anybody trying to tell me I didn't fucking cover all of it. Um, all of the bases, Joy. Right. So, uh, Maria, you have Maria, um, or Marie Pascarella, who's a psychic, um, that worked out of Hamden and knew the Warrens. She had already been called in to the, um, home of the Gooden family mm-hmm. and they were having not some slight paranormal activity. They were having major poltergeist activity. Ooh, I know your thoughts on poltergeists. I, well, I have been just rethinking things. I don't know that all of, I'm not lumping things all together. I feel like poltergeist needs to uh, be. It's kind of like a header with a bunch of subcategories. Yeah, yeah. Umbrella poltergeist, but is it telekinesis of a living person? Is it the, you know, telekinetic energy of a dead person and a ghost? Is it whatever? Whatever. Right, 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 right. There's a lot of shit. However, we're not discussing that right now because it's a whole other thing and it's a whole other episode. Maria Pascarella, psychic from Hamden, Connecticut, is already at the Lindley Street house with the Gooden family. Uh, she feels like she might need some backup, so she calls Ed Lorraine. Says, come on down here. We're having some serious poltergeist issues. So the Warrens go down to um, Bridgeport and... They get there and there are police cars and crowds already at the house because this is something that was like 
not easy to hide that things were happening. The cops had been called because it wasn't just a few things that moved around. Chairs were being flipped around. Refrigerators were sliding across the room. It wasn't just being reported by the family. The police officers were saying they saw these things happen inside the house. Before they were going in, there was a priest there with the family. Before the police were going in, they were asking for a blessing from the priest to protect them before they went in to investigate the poltergeist activity in the house. No, thanks. Right. Um, And the great thing about this Devil's Road documentary is they play tapes that Ed recorded that have not been put out before. The cops were called in. And the cops were like, we don't know what to do. So they called the fire department. (laughs) And the fire department came in and they were like, we don't know what to do. (laughs) Um, So they ended up calling in city engineers. I mean, this was like a huge thing because the activity was insane in this house. All of the quotes from the police officers and anyone who went in was like, Ed would say, what happened when you walked in the house? What was the situation of the house? The house was just in array. So, and these are the all quote, independent eyewitnesses who yes. have nothing to gain from this. It's Absolutely. not like the family making it up. Nope. These are, yeah. Wow. And everyone was like actively keeping an eye on the 10 year old child yeah. lived in the house who they were like, let's just make sure that she's not effing with us. One of the times someone saw the recliner go back with her in it and her get thrown. Mm. Like, it's the, like a 450-pound um, refrigerator went I was just going to say, I, I don't see a 10-year-old hurling a refrigerator across. Right, yeah. Um, so you can hear my pages turning because I actually did take notes for like the first time since a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there, they had, like I said, dishes flying across the room. Um, when Ed went into the house, when he finally got in himself, he what he witnessed the first time he was there was that dishes, like a stack of them, not like a couple, a stack fly across the room and smash on the floor and the walls. He watched a crucifix burst. What? Yeah, just explode in front of him. Shut up. Um, and move my notes around. Hang on. Um, it had started the previous evening. So if that was the 24th Sunday, they got the night of the 23rd on a Saturday, the Gooden family. Um, it was Jerry, who was the husband, Laura, the wife, and um, the child who was 10 years old. I think there was only the three of them that lived in the house. Wait, so this haunting had only gone on for 24 hours by the time yes. the Warrens got there? Jeez. Yes. There was already cops and crowds of hundreds of people. If you watch the documentary, they have footage from that because it was the news crews were just there and you just see all the giant like land yachts that everyone drove in the seventies, just up and down the street. That's insane. This house, this house is tiny. It is a tiny little house. You can look it up on like Google or whatever, look at view and it's this tiny little thing. 966 Lindley. So you don't have to go back and look. You can do 966. And now we got Google Maps. So you can just look it up on Google Maps. Just turn your Google on and hold it up to the thing right now. Ready? Hold your Googles. Okay, Google. 966 Lindley Avenue, Bridgeport, Connecticut. 
You're welcome. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> the previous evening, before all of these psychics and everybody else got there, the Goodens came home from a grocery store trip. They were putting groceries away. And suddenly they said that they were attacked, mm -hmm. that the groceries started flying everywhere. Plates started flying everywhere. And knives flew off of the counter and flew around the room. That like, this is some like, all of a sudden, like, Dana Barrett apartment bullshit. I was just going to say, <laughs> there was, yeah, there is no Dana, only Zool. Right, right. Jeez. Um, but oddly, they went, huh, I hope that's an isolated incident. Let's Shut go up. to bed. Okay. <laughs> so, the next morning, at, like, 8 o'clock, it started again. Oh. Tables overturned. Well, at least it let them have a good night's rest before it started sure, back up. Right? I was considerate. <laughs> well, this also, now, if we want to start breaking this down another time about what kind of poltergeist it is, was it shut off because someone was sleeping? Ten-year-old. <gasps> Ten-year-old. Could just be, I don't know, maybe mom had some, like, pent-up shit. I don't know. Who knows? I, I might. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I won't even speculate. I do. I'm um, so this was the time when the table started overturning. Um, this is when the three recliners opened and closed, opened and closed by themselves with no one near them. Um, they called the police. John Holsworth, who was the cop that showed up, he came in and just said everything in array. Like, everybody was just like, it's a disaster. There's pictures, like, off the wall, on the floor. Things are broken everywhere. Um, they said the icebox, the TV... Um, chairs, all of those things moved. And by saying they moved, the police didn't say, we came in and they were moved. They saw them move. Or when they walked by something, a chair moved behind them. And when they turned around, it was in a different place without nope. there being opportunity for someone, like a human, a live human there to move right. um, So this is when they were like, we don't have the fuck to do, we're calling the fire, the fire department came in and went, you can go fuck yourself. City engineers came in. They had, they were like, check the gas, check the electric, check all of this stuff because there has to be a reason for it. Right. Which I'm like, yeah, cool, Connecticut, figure it out. Like, because I would have done the same thing. Um, let me see, hang on. So while they were there, um, they watched the fridge move across the floor. And then the cops kicked the engineers out because I think this is when they started having to be like, we need to shut this down. It's a fucking zoo outside. Right. There's reporters everywhere. There are people everywhere. There are people like practically sleeping outside. I don't know. Maybe some of them were staying overnight. I have no idea. You're right. Um, but there's too many like crowds around and the exorcist movie had just come out within uh... that last year. Entire country was just primed Read for this the shit. Room. Right. <laughs> Dude. So it didn't like it wasn't just like, oh my god, there's weird stuff going on. It was like, oh my god, there's weird stuff going on. That seems like this movie we just fucking saw that we're right. all fucking freaked out about. Oh PS, everything went out on the AP wire nationally. And Why then internet. 
God. <laughs> so just, they just kept saying there were massive crowds and they didn't know what to do. Um, so um, Father uh, Starbell was the priest that was there helping. And he did a blessing on the house. He did a blessing on Ed and Lorraine. And basically anyone who walked in, he was blessing and trying to keep safe. Right. Um, Very nice. He went, yeah, <laughs> he went into the basement because, of course, that's where you go. And he was blessing the house. He got down to the basement and he said that he saw a shadow in the corner. Mm-mm. And then the shadow became very well defined. Um, and then it vanished right in front of Lorraine came in. She started not feeling well. Um, so, like, she sat down. She was saying she didn't feel well. And, and you know, it was affecting her in a, a more severe way than usual cases. Right. And as they were sitting at the table, she sort of, like, I think she made like a little noise. It said like she sort of yelped or something. And they all watched a blister appear on her hand out of nowhere. No. Rain was being attacked. Ed freaks out and is like, I want her out of here. I'm worried about her getting attacked more because of her abilities. I do not want her in this fucking house. Um, Let's leave. She feels like she's being attacked. She feels like when she walks into the house, the house acknowledges her. That's how she put it. Like she could feel it sort of bristle, maybe, you know, like that feeling of like, right. like back starts crawling. Um, so he says, I want you out. She's too sensitive for this. The f- father Charbonneau, Ed and Lorraine Warren leave for the night and go <laughs> sleep at their house. Right. The Gooden family, the three of them, and Paul Eno, who is an investigator, who was 21 at the time, who Mm -hmm. saw the attack happen to Lorraine, stays to help and watch the family so that hopefully they can get some sleep and he can sort of keep watch over them. I would not have stayed in that house. No, no. But like, there's a massive crowd outside of your house and the cops are probably pressuring you to like not make it a big fucking deal, even though it already is. Right. So I think there it wasn't the kind of thing where we just go, we'll just go stay in a hotel. Yeah. I don't know. The the Western. Cl- yeah. I don't know where the closest, safest hotel for a t- like terrified family of three in 1974 Bridgeport was from I there. I slept at the church myself, but yes. Right. I think now it is a, it's behind the hospital because I've been to that house when I've been near that hospital. I like drove around once and I was like, why does this street name ring a bell wow oh right fucking warrens so paul eno is there and he's staying to watch the family um and he's specifically staying to watch the 10 year old be sure she's not fucking doing this right because like there's so much crazy shit happening they're trying so hard to figure out a logical reason right so he says he's watching he's with her and he starts to smell like an ozone smell is the way that he explained it and then there was a gauzy white haze that developed in front of him which to me starts sounding like fucking ectoplasm and weird like manifestation shit right 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 um 
So he saw this gauzy haze and he began reading out of a religious text. As you do. Right. And at that point, he said, the haze formed into four masses. Nope. Instinctively, like instinctively pressed it, like pushed it, like reached out and touched this thing in front of him. Yeah. And it pushed back. Nope. And his fucking quote about how it felt was he said it was solid and that it, quote, felt like skeletons of birds, end nope. quote. Nope. <laughs> nope. And he believed in that moment that it was after the girl, that it wanted oh, to get around him to get to her because she was behind him. Oh, so he and was he was in the middle. Okay. Okay. So it, he said it went around him and picked her up and threw her. No. So then he took everyone out of the house. About <laughs> bloody time. Right? Yeah. I have so many goosebumps right now. <laughs> so they all come up with their game plan. They're like, all right, this house, this needs a, we need to do an exorcism. Like, right. obviously, some crazy shit is going down we need to do an exorcism we have a priest we've got a clairvoyant we have another psychic that was working here we have a demonologist like let's do this because they're not playing we shouldn't either it's just crazy that it came out of nowhere right like they had no problems and then bloop they come home from the grocery store and it's like all hell breaks loose but in the words of one of my favorite all-time television personalities Dr. House. Everybody <laughs> fucking lies. So maybe mm. things had happened before that. Maybe it they were small things. ramping up. Okay. Okay. And another part of what they um, had talked about in this documentary throughout was like, when you live in a haunted house, you kind of feel alone anyway, because people don't usually tell each other what they're experiencing. Right. So there could have for a while been little things being misplaced it seemed like, or small little things moving, or noises, and nobody said anything. How many fucking times do our kids say things to us, and we're like, okay, whatever. Like, there's a lot more dismissiveness of things that could have been going on. So maybe it had been backbuilding for a while, and then just this one night, it was like, all right, let's do this. You're not acknowledging me. It's the end of November, I fucking (laughs) hate Thanksgiving, I'm gonna fuck shit up right now. The Warrens plan an exorcism. They get all of their stuff together. They're like, we're going to go do this. That morning, the police superintendent, Joseph Walsh, declares it a hoax. Shut up. Just goes on TV and is like, hi, I'm Joe. What's up? It's the 10-year-old girl. It's been her the whole time. It's oh, a hoax. Fuck off, Joe. We did, and he, I think he said, we have no ghosts in Bridgeport. Which I'm sure a lot of fucking people in Bridgeport went to some fucking great Right. <laughs> right. So even though all of his own officers. I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah. All of his own officers, all of the people in the fire department, the city engineers, he's basically making them look like fools. He's making them look like complete idiots. Right. Like they all need to have psychological evaluation done right right for believing this and asking for blessings and whatever 
But I mean, I'm sure his impetus is just, we need to like calm this down. There's drove, like. It's become a circus. Yes. And it's a small residential area. It's not like, it's just in the, the, in a regular neighborhood where people now are just clogging up all of the streets to just drive by and look at this ghost house. Right, right. (laughs) Shit balls. Um, So yeah, he said, uh, so Walsh had apparently said to his officers inside the house, this ends here and now. And okay, he, cool. Uh, tell that, tell that uh, to right. the ghost, right. dickhead. Even though he's, he's making fools out of everybody, he's saying, this is it, this ends here, and now I'm fucking done. Um, and Ed is super pissed oh, because, no like, we wanted to tell everyone the truth. And that was always the Warrens thing. They're like, we're not trying to scare anybody, but we want you to know that there are bad things in this world that will come get you and take advantage of you. It's like people who run professional haunted houses mm-hmm. and they do ghost tours of places all the time. And how all it is is you're feeding is, it. Yeah, and how many of those places are the ones we see like on TV shows of like ghost and paranormal investigations regularly? And well, they're yeah. like, oh wait, you're running a ghost tour here and you didn't tell us that before? Well, that's when Amy Allen gets very angry at them. Yes. Ed and Lorraine, they have one daughter. Her name is Judy. Mm-hmm. And she's also in the documentary. And she talks about what her parents' motivations were. Because she said when they first started out doing all of their stuff where they would go to random people's houses or when people called them, they didn't charge money. Right. They were not out trying to, like, live off of ghost hunting. She said... They wanted everyone to know the devil exists and he's real. That was verbatim from her. They wanted everyone to know that demons and devils and all of these things do exist and you have to be prepared for them and you have to know how to fight them off. That's some, like, backwards way of evangelical proselytizing. Yeah, and people would, like, accuse... Ed of hiding behind his Catholicism and he'd be like I'm not hiding behind this it's like I'm I'm putting it out there I'm using it as evidence you're right. telling me the devil doesn't exist and I'm saying read the bible every 10 words it says apparition ghost whatever like mm-hmm. it's in there it's all there um and this um the documentary continues to go on for a while with other cases but, I mean, every, everyone who's listening, please go watch this documentary. If you at all give a shit about this episode or the Warrens in general, it is so amazing just to see them as people. Because it talks about them as kids and, like, humans. sweethearts, you know? Like, they're just nice people, which is really nice to hear about. <laughs> it makes me feel good. <laughs> um, so, just to wrap that last part up. Two months after this, so that would be, like, the the beginning of the next year, so the beginning of 75. Was it still happening? I don't, I didn't hear anything about it continuing, so I don't right. know if, like, stuff continued to happen and they just didn't talk about it, but they had a parapsychology group that was allowed to go tape interviews 
with the people, like the government people who were there. Okay. And those are all the cop interviews of the terrifying things that happened. Wow. And they, uh, they play some of them in the documentary. They are like, there's no bullshit. Nah, cops they're not vaguely. Cops, yeah. Right. But they're not vaguely speaking about anything. It's right. just like, no, I walked in this house. Shit was all over the place. And I watched a fridge move across the floor. I'm not making that up. I, there were four other people in the room with me. I mean, I think um, about that, you know, even with my, my dad being a cop, you know, you yeah. get a cop and you're, he's, he said to me, you know, and I talked on the show a while back last season about my dad's experiencing weird shit at a graveyard when they were doing a stakeout one night. And he said to me, you'd be surprised some of the, I've seen some really strange stuff along those lines. And so now I, I'm trying to find the right time to be like, remember when you said that? He doesn't know that we have the podcast. He does, I, kind of, not really, because I swear a lot on it. And You don't my, want him to listen. My Catholic dad would not Sure, agree. sure. Sure, sure, sure. Not approve. I mean, I don't know if my mother-in-law is still listening. But Karen. she love her, and I miss her. We love her, you, Karen. We can't see her, but it's a whole other discussion. Um, I mean, like, she's used to hanging out with me a lot in person, and my mouth is not really different in person. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so I mean, maybe if she's still listening, maybe it just makes her feel like, she misses me less. I hope. <laughs> my four-year-old started dropping shit. And ah, we wait. had to have a conversation about it. Because when something would go bad, she'd be like, ah, shit. Ah, shit. Uh, in the right context. And so we have conversations and she likes to bring it up and be like, so, mommy, I, I can't say shit. I can't say, oh, shit. Right? No. Okay, but not, oh, shit. I can't say, oh, shit. And it's like, I, I realize what you're doing. Can I say it if I say it? Oh, apostrophe shit. Like it's an Irish thing. Would you oh. feel about that? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, sh- oh, sh- so now people. we say, oh, crumbs. <laughs> or, oh, man. But it's mostly, oh, crumbs. But yeah, but she keeps double checking that she can't say shit. Right, right. But I can't say shit, right? Can't say, oh, shit. No, shit. No. <laughs> I see Love that you found a loophole there, my smart child. Her. I love her. It's great. Great. That story Um, is terrifying, Joy. It's totally terrifying. I also um, just want to throw in, I don't know where I'll put this, Um, but like I said before, Ed and Lorraine uh, grew up in Connecticut. They were 16 when they met because on, I think it was every Wednesday, Wednesdays, Lorraine and her mom would go to the movies and Ed worked Oh. So, yeah so they met there and um i think he like asked if he could walk her home one time or something like asked her to the movies or asked her out and walked her home and like it was just it's like storybooks oh, you know it's like the stories that i hear that like my grandpa and my grandma told me about them right, like right, right, right. Out. um so he went into the navy when he was 17 but he grew up in a haunted house and he used to ask his father all the time what was that what is that what is that and his dad would always go ed there's a logical explanation for everything that happens in this house and then later ed realized his dad never actually gave him a logical explanation right 
He just said, there is one. And that was it. Like, he never elaborated on it. So he was coming from that background. Right. Lorraine, when she was nine years old, um, started seeing lights. Mm -hmm. And she thought that everybody could see them because, yeah, that's how it works when you're a kid. Your experience is the experience you think everyone is having. So she was at her all-girls Catholic school, Hala Aphelia Ben. As you do. Um, Yeah. And they were around um, two of the sisters. And she said to her friend, Oh, Sister Joseph's lights are brighter than Mother Superior's. Sister Joseph's lights are brighter. Uh, She didn't know what the lights were at the time, but they turned out to be auras. So she was basically just saying, oh, this one sister's aura is brighter than this other person's. And Mother Superior overheard her. And she said, Lorraine, we don't talk about things like that. So, like, she was shut down from the beginning, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, they, when I was in all-girls Catholic school, they shut down all kinds of stuff. They super didn't like it when I had my friend bick the back of my hair at the softball field during lunch. But that's another thing. Um, So she was silenced, like, repeatedly. And if she talked about it at all at home, it had to be, like, a lighthearted sort of jokey way. But she never, ever told her parents that it was happening. The fuck? Right? So um, they got married. Ed was in the Navy at 17. He was in a major naval disaster where it, like, that was the turning point where he, like, was like, yeah, I believe in God. There's something that helped me not die that day. Right. He was trying to, like, save um, a fellow sailor, and he grabbed his friend, and he's like, I don't know. I don't know where I was going. I don't know what I was grabbing him toward. There were just walls of fire. And then all of a sudden a rescue boat appeared. The direction that he picked. And he was like, I mean, is that not a miracle? That's a miracle, right? (laughs) So they get, I didn't know this, but they got survivor's leave, which was like three days, I guess, to like process your grief, deal with it, and get back on the ship. Because, you know, it's more than three days for that. As you do. Right. So he came home to Connecticut and was like, let's fucking get married. And Lorraine was like, heck yeah. So they got married. They, they went like and had a night in a hotel for their honeymoon. And then the next day he like left and went back. So he was still on active duty until they were 20. Okay. Um, and Lorraine had had a child in that time. And they wow. only had, I believe they only had. They just had Judy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, they've been together, I don't know, forever. And Ed passed away in 2006. Um, and Lorraine passed away in 2000, 2019. Yeah. So recently. Yeah. She, she was 92 and uh, he was 79. Dang. And I just remember, like, my grandmother passed away a few years ago. Ago. and when Lorraine passed away there totally was part of me that was just like oh cause like too close they're my grandmother Irish like they were just both so like the same mannerisms and like right. the same way that they always cared for their appearance and dressed very nicely and it was yeah. just quiet way that they spoke it's just 
uh, I felt like I knew her even though I hadn't like officially met her. So there was a lecture. I was um, dating, <laughs> engaged to someone what? who was going to UConn. How did I not um, know this? I I was engaged a couple of times before Tim <laughs> asked me. The first time I was engaged was when I was at UConn because he went to school there. I did not. Okay. And the Warrens went to do a ghost lecture at UConn and they explained all kinds of paranormal phenomena. They gave their background. Ed talked about being a demonologist. They showed slides of pictures they'd taken with actual film cameras of Union Cemetery and haunted houses all over the place. And they talked about Amityville because they were there and they talked about the Conjuring House. It was amazing. The two things I remember the most were the video of the white lady who's a well-known ghost in Union Cemetery um, having black shadow figures jump in front of her. No, thank you. And, like, it's from far away, you know? And it's like a video recorder from the 90s. It's not... Now it's not like what we have now. It's we right. didn't have. They weren't out there with like thermal cameras and like SLS and like all this other stuff. Right. But it is. It was one. Of, I was looking for it to see if I could find a picture of it online or a video. I looked for both of these things. I'm going to talk about, and I cannot find them. So if anyone can find video footage of the white lady and the shadow figures that look like they're leaping in front of her, trying to stop her from walking forward. Um, in Union Cemetery in Eastern Connecticut. Please let me know. Send it uh, to uh, the residuals podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Attention, Joy <laughs> and Emily. Attention, white lady. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I mean basically, we're basically, yes. Of us, I mean, that's so, a bit literal, yeah. but okay. Um, whatever. Uh, the second thing that I saw at those lectures that I, I've tried to debunk a lot over the last more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed a video and th- they also played a lot of EVPs and they played a lot of sounds of like demons or people speaking in tongues at exorcisms. And they warned us. They're like, we are not playing this for a long time because it gives them power. Right. We're not doing it to acknowledge them and give them power. We want you all to know we need to provide you evidence so you know this shit exists. It's education also so that you recognize it for what it is if you ever experience it. Right. Like, it's not a joke. These things are out there. Yeah. You know, don't just take this as some, like, Halloween thing that the school puts on. Right. Um, So they ended up showing a video of this man who was supposedly possessed. Not, not had a demon in his home. Not um, under demonic oppression, which is another term that I hear a lot in like sort of the pre-possession phase when you're like, things are happening to you because of the demon, but you're not like fully possessed. No, this dude... They're like, there is a demon inside of him, like exorcist movie style. 
and we had to go do an exorcism. And here is the video tape with audio of that. And it opens in some dude's kitchen. It's nice looking like dark haired man with a mustache. And he was, he was a farmer who had a fifth grade education. I want you to know these are things I'm remembering from when I was 19 and 20 years old. So this is how well it stuck with me because I cannot find an account of this anywhere. Um, He was a farmer. I want to say that he was in his 50s. And when they began doing the exorcism, Ed said, pay attention to his face because it changes. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, come on, come on. And this was, I was in like, I was in my prime of believing fucking everything. Right, you right. Know? right I was right, like, right, right. I am much more skeptical now. And still, I was like, no way. All right. What is this? Like, shadow tricks? Like, what is it? Right. No, no. I saw, and this is what they weren't showing it on like a wheelie in cart. This was a giant theater at UConn where they had the, the huge movie screen. Right. And it played huge for everybody to see. It, you were not squinting at anything. I believe the camera was on a tripod. You know, it might have gotten like moved around a little bit. Like okay. if somebody knocked it in. But I don't think it was like handheld. Okay. I think it was on a tripod. Um, so all of these details have stuck with me. And if I get anything wrong, I apologize. <laughs> um, but this was, you know, half my life ago. Right. Um, so they start the exorcism. And the priest is talking. You can hear them saying some prayers and casting out, you know, telling the demon to show itself, whatever they were saying. I'm getting so freaked out that I'm getting, like, teary-eyed thinking about this because this has just, it affected me so much. Right. Um, So the exorcism continues. And this man who spoke one language fluently began to speak Latin to the exorcist and the other people in the room. Um, not just like a couple of words, like he was speaking, almost spitting Latin at okay. them. Okay. And then I realized his, the skin, like the color of his skin was changing. And it was Fuck. getting, it was becoming darker and tinted red. And his voice was changing. No. Um, <sighs> it was so, it was one of the scariest things I've ever seen because part of my brain was trying to figure out how they were doing this. Right. How is this? A well, trick? you're that how person that you're not a debunker, but you're a, there's a logical explanation for it. Let me try and figure this out before I go for what they're actually telling yeah, me. Yeah, like, I'm an answers person. I just, right. I, I want to know what the truth is. So I'm watching this, and I'm realizing his face is getting darker. And, like, every once in a while, Ed would, like, point something else out. The man's nose completely changed. Shut up! It went from sort of, like, a, a squat, almost, like, bulbousy nose. Yeah. Um, Kind of like, you know, uh, you see, like, in people who have drank for a long time they've drank alcohol for a long time and they have it's called a strawberry nose sure yes that's it almost like that but not like 
not bright red or anything, just the shape where it's a bulbousy sort of nose. Right. It right. went from like that to a straight, a straight nose. Mm. By the, the end of he had a very similar look to like what you would see as someone who would like portray like somebody who would do a, a drawing of a devil or the oh. devil with that like the idea of like dark eyebrows and a mustache and like a straight nose and this thing is because it's not that same person anymore it's a thing now. it was right, right. not yeah it was not this guy he was just back and forth with the priest and by the end of the video I don't know if anybody was talking in that auditorium. <laughs> like it was silent and they stopped it and they said the same thing at the end. They're like, we're not, we're not going to show anymore, but we wanted to show you enough so you could hear it and see the physical changes because we're not making these things up. Like, even if you want to say, Oh, well, you know what? Maybe when he was a kid, he went to church and he heard mass in Latin. Right. Maybe he remembers Latin. I'll buy that all day. That right, it's right. some repressed thing that he remembers. But I watch someone's face change color and shape on a video in front of me. And it was honestly one of the most, I don't know, like... Like, it was some sort of a milestone in my life. Right. Like, I'd seen stuff of, like, the white lady, and I'd seen pictures of ghosts, and I grew up in a house that yeah, has spirits in it. different, this man. This isn't like, just a haunting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was a kid, and I was reading The Exorcist. Like, I was reading inappropriate things for my age, absolutely. <laughs> but, like, when I was just reading Flowers <laughs> in the Attic. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying on a different it's, level. That's a different kind that's, of terrifying. No. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I was always just fascinated by the not normal, right. you know, the things that you couldn't explain and seeing this happen. I have searched for it so much, <laughs> even in the last like week that I, you know, this was coming up to this. I've been like, what can I put in as keyword fucking searches to make this appear? Like I can't find it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's something that maybe they would have at their museum. Which is closed. Oh, is it now? Their museum closed because of zoning ordinance changes. Oh, really? They were looking for a new location. After um, Ed died, it was run by Lorraine and her son-in-law, Tony. Yes. Uh, And so, but then it was closed, I think, in 2017, 2018? 2018. Um, pending finding a new location. But that means that, you know, wow. Annabelle's just kicking it in her glass cage. Oh. Also, Scariest Raggedy Ann doll. Seriously, I was just going to say, like, anyone who's seen the posters for the movie Annabelle, that, that doll is, not is Annabelle. terrifying. Annabelle is just a giant raggedy ass Ann. And I don't trust that bitch with nothing. Like, nope. no. <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> that that's a whole that's another that's another story time that is no thank you (laughs) um but that is where right now because i could talk about the warrens for fucking ever um, that is where i will 
I'll take the back seat now with my okay. exorcism. Um, so, but yeah, knitting, knitting British lady, tell me a story. I'm going to put my knitting down now. Okay. My knitting is helping with my ADD and trying not to interrupt as much as possible with you, with my flirty outiness. Oh, wait. Everyone really likes it when you interrupt because then we go off on a tangent oh, and then we say very silly things. What are you okay. eating? Are you sorry? Can I eat my? <gasps> oh, those are chocolate ones with a little biscuit underneath. Oh God, I love those, and I have zero self-control with those. Oh my God, they're so good. I'll just drink my fuzzy water. Um. So, yeah. Um. Tell me a story. Kind of piggybacking off of what you said about um. Ed being in the Navy, um, West Point had the Warrens come and speak to their cadets in 1972, which is kind of odd. I, that's one of the last things that I would I, I would think would happen with them being invited by uh, the army. Yeah, <laughs> that's to come. weird. Right. So west point invited them to come and speak to the cadets but it turns out that it was a guise just to get them onto the campus oh uh, my because, god yeah the, so the they were invited by uh former superintendent uh, lieutenant general william knowlton um and it's because his house that he was living there which is the name of it is quarters 100 or something was haunted mm-hmm. And he wanted to get to the bottom of it and it had become bad enough that he had heard about the Warrens and he was like, I don't really want them to know because it's military and it's like, come on, we're not supposed to really believe in this stuff. But he had them come out and to get like Lorraine's feed on things and she like picked up on a bunch of shit. And this is actually on the official army website. Really? And it's not just them. West Point has a huge, huge history of being haunted. And it's kind of nuts that it's on their, yeah, uh, that it's on their website uh, affiliated so with them. So, yeah, so I always found that interesting. However, the story I'm doing today is oh. very similar to yours. Curveball. Right? <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> So it's similar to yours in that it's a family in their home, but it Mm -hmm. went on for almost um, 15 years. So this story. Huh? The same family? They stayed in that place for over 15 years? Oh, and you'll you'll hear why. So this is the story of the Smurl haunting. Smurl for Americans. Smurl. I call it Smurl. So. S-M-U-R-L. S-M-U-R-L. Smurl. So the sources I found this from on the internet were actually the Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, their occult museum site, Ranker, a site called The Lineup. Um, because I actually found that Wikipedia was incredibly inaccurate and um, someone needs to go in and change that. Really? So go for it. Someone hit up the Smurl haunting page because dates are completely not good right so shall we begin oh my god yes please let's begin get comfortable so i'm just gonna say uh joy and anyone listening i'd like you to take a moment to go and get 
your diaper or a trash bag sit on it or just listen to this on your toilet the smell haunting an essay by me emily Right. After they were displaced by Hurricane Agnes in 1972, Jack and Janet Smurl and their four daughters, Dawn, Heather and twins Shannon and Karen, moved into a duplex on Chase Street in West Pittston, Pennsylvania, with Jack's parents, John and Mary, living on the other side of the duplex. Mm. So the family began experiencing unusual occurrences in 1974, and initially the episodes were benign. Tools went missing, then reappeared. Old wall stains seeped through fresh coats of paint. Mm -hmm. Then the kitchen appliances caught fire, even if they were unplugged. Awful Awful odors would overwhelm the house, only to Mm -hmm. disperse a moment later. No big deal. They're just, you know, they're benign, Joy. That's not benign. Right. It escalated a bit. They reported that a television set burst into flames and a stain appeared on a carpet overnight. Water pipes began to leak, even though they were repeatedly resolded by a plumber, and scratches resembling those from a large cat appeared on paintwork and bathroom fittings. By 1977, things got worse. Toilets flushed without human intervention. Footsteps were heard on the stairs. Chest of drawers opened and closed unaided radios worked when they were not plugged in rocking chairs rocked when empty and a sour smell filled the house no all signs point to get the fuck out right but it's okay because even with all of this the family kept plugging away joy jack was promoted at his job Janet helped organize a drunk driving group at the local high school the girls excelled in their studies and the in-laws were happy but like all good ghost stories, their luck was about to change. Soon, the Smurls were struggling to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Mary, Jack's mother, suffered a heart attack. The ghostly visits, meanwhile, intensified. Mary and Janet claimed to have perceived voices that sounded like one another. So oh, no. Day, yeah, it was mimicking voices. No, so no, they were hearing is... a voice. Right. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Janet thought that she heard her mother-in-law calling her name, while Mary, the mother-in-law, thought she heard Janet and Jack in the throes of an argument laden with swears. Yeah, basically they would hear the other's voice calling them names and swearing Mm -hmm. at them through the wall. So Mary would hear her daughter-in-law cussing her out. Oh, my God. The daughter-in-law, Janet, would hear the same thing from mild-mannered Mary next door. Just when you think it's bad. Ominous masses started forming and floating through the home. Janet said she was visited in the dead of night by a malevolent force. Hold on to your britches. That molested her in her sleep. (gasps) Now the attention of whatever it was that was assaulting her then turned its attention to Jack. Lying in bed with Janet, he heard someone whispering, and it seemed like it was a young woman that was whispering. And when he turned to face his wife, he watched a shadowy figure run up her leg. Ew! After that ho- that that night, their house grew darker. Is that possible? Yes, it is. You want to know the things that happen? 
That's great. I'm about to tell you. A light fixture fell from the wall, cutting one of the daughters on the face. The family dog, which was a German shepherd, picked up and thrown against a wall. (gasps) Janet said that she was picked up by an invisible presence, dangling some six feet in the air, and then tossed across the room. Again, Pervy McPervy Pants came back. Jack claimed a succubus entered the living room and assaulted him while a baseball game played on the TV. And even the neighbors reported hearing screams from the house when the family was not in it. Oh, fuck that noise. No, thank you. Um, why are they there? Oh, my God. Janet claimed that while she was in the kitchen one evening, the house grew cold and she felt a hideous presence. That's when a black human-shaped form appeared in her kitchen. It had no face, but it was more tangible than a shadow. The shape passed through her wall and appeared to her mother-in-law, Mary, on the other side of the door. Fuck right fucking off. I will not. Oh, my God. Uh, no, the violence and the frequency of the events continued to escalate. So the, sm- the, the smells brought in. I know. There's nothing behind you. I can see. <laughs> but, of course, now my cat just sat up and just started staring at across the room. It's, it's probably just me yelling and she's hearing in the no, headphones or something. No, just go with that. It's fine. It's great. Keep, uh, okay. So the smells brought in Father Robert. <laughs> I'll let you finish your chip. Chew quickly. Okay. I'm just terrified and hiding my face. <laughs> okay, are you right? No, you're terrifying me. Go on. Okay. So the smells brought in Father Robert McKenna, and he conducted two mass... Uh, two exorcisms in Latin and more than 50 Catholic masses, which allegedly infuriated the demon further. And here's the fucked up thing. This is why they couldn't leave their house. It followed them, Joy. It followed them on a vacation to the Poconos. Oh. Where they went camping. And it followed Jack to work where it harassed him, which could be why Jack lost his job. To work? Mm Mm-hmm. So I have, so I have so many questions. Oh my god. Okay. Right. Group oh prayer god. sessions and exorcisms were conducted, yet the attacks continued. So the Smurls took their story public in hopes that someone might hear of their plight and know how to help. Because what else are they going to fucking do at this point? Because at this point, it is 1986. Right. And there have been several movies about exorcisms, and those were fine. So right. why, what are they supposed to do at this point? Exactly. There's no, there's nothing after the exorcism chapter. This has been going on for <laughs> well over 10 years. So they take oh their story in public, hoping that someone might find out and help. But unfortunately they get more than they bargained for because the, uh, the press latched on and refused Naturally. to leave. Sure. Right. Reporters and photographers staked out their homes. Cars of looky loose cruised by hoping to catch a glimpse of something paranormal. Just and like Lindley. Exactly. Small family found themselves at the center of a media circus. So representatives from the Roman Catholic Church in Scranton were uncertain as to what might be causing the activity. And multiple priests visits the smells to breast their breast. (laughs) 
they visited this mosque to bless their home and they reportedly encountered no harmful activity while on the property. And in 1986, an area priest actually moved into the house, hoping to witness the demonic forces firsthand, but nothing stirred. And after two nights without an issue, he left. So they were like, nah, no, nothing. You're fucking faking it. So that same year, 1986, the family brought in Ed and Lorraine Warren. After inspecting the house, Lorraine concluded that the Smurls shared their home with four spirits, a harmless elderly woman, a young and possibly violent girl, a man who suffered and died in the home, and a demon that used the other three spirits to destroy the Smurl family. No big deal. According to Ed Warren, the demon that inhabited the Smurls' home was very powerful, quote-unquote, and it shook mirrors and furniture after they tried to persuade it to leave by playing religious music and praying. Ed claimed that on his very first night in the home, he experienced a major cold spot and sure a shadow, uh, saw a shadow person. He explained, I did not have to wait moments when the very thing I felt was a drop in temperature of at least 30-some degrees, then a dark mass formed about three feet in front of me. In addition, he also claimed that a, the demon once left a message on a mirror telling him to get out. So, after the appearance of the shadow person, Ed Warren claimed that something in the home began throwing things about the house, including the mattress in the master bedroom. Oh, my God. After months of investigation, Warren, uh, Ed, alleged he had a number of audio tapes containing knocking and rapping noises caused by the demon. So whatever was haunting them, it absolutely hated religious iconography. And one night, the Warrens tried to draw out one of the entities with a group prayer, and they got more than they bargained for. In the middle of the prayer, something began screeching, you filthy bastard, get out of this house. Then the Whoa. house started shaking, and two female ghosts that looked to be from colonial America era slunk through the motherfucking house. Go and that was the only time that the appearances of the colonial ghosts were recorded, but it's possible that one of these two was the succubus that had assaulted Jack and possibly Whoa. his wife, Janet. So finally, in 1987, the family packed up and left their Chase Street duplex. But it wasn't over. Supernatural phenomena reportedly followed them to their new home until a church-sanctioned exorcism in 1989 cleared the house of its activity, the new house. Since then, right. experts, priests, television producers, and journalists have all scrutinized their story. Uh, many uh, viewers... Uh, echo skeptics of these you know viewers of the show they think that there's rational explanation and the subsequent owners of the chase street duplex say nothing unusual has ever happened in their home whoa so who is it so ah, right, sorry <laughs> in an article from the citizen's voice uh in june 2017 uh their daughter karen smell who grew up in this house and experienced it. She's now a social worker and sometimes a paranormal investigator. Sure. Uh, 
She recalled that people knocked on their windows and doors and even threw bricks at their house. She said that people terrorized the family. Some reporters claimed the family was just looking to make a quick buck with their story, but Karen denies that. She uh, she told the, the paper, we never made money from a book or movie. Who would want to go through all of that media and public bashing to the naysayers i hope it doesn't take something as extreme as what we went through to make them believers we wouldn't wish our experiences on anyone and that is the story of the small haunting oh my god okay bye good night oh no no get back here you bitch Uh, I have so I have so many questions. I'm gonna have to read about this and look it up. Yeah. It followed them. Was it something that was in the house that attached to them? Was it something that was attached to their family that just started up at the house? Was it like I have so many fucking questions? So colonial ghosts? Like what? So I couldn't find when they the exact date that they moved into. I know that they were displaced by Hurricane Agnes, which was in 1972. It says that the, they began experiencing unusual occurrences in 1974. So that being said, going was to that- what you and I talk about a lot you know and you talk about with the telekinesis and we talk about things maybe starting up especially when some kids go through start to go through puberty and they have mm-hmm. all the changes and yeah. the hormones and all of that sometimes that can spark things well they had four daughters and two yeah. of them were teenagers so is that something that starts oh, with the them too, yeah yeah so oh the twins were younger the twins were little they had two older girls though so you there's no saying what it was but it crossed over um it crossed over into the into the house next door i mean it was a duplex so it was one building but it it was just a mother-in-law the mother-in-law experienced things right and that that was her duplex yeah it was her side of the house so was it the the property or was it the family that's still what i'm like that's trying. the thing. It followed them camping in the Poconos. Yeah, that's in just the Poconos. No one needs that shit in a heart-shaped tub. All right. <laughs> it, that meant the like colonial bit at the end. I was like, right. what is this? Some. <laughs> and there's something about this story for some reason that I landed on this story to do a few weeks ago. And I've had the tabs open in my computer of, like, all of the different sources for it. And then I started thinking, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I want to do something else. Because it was, you know, it was a bit too along the same lines of yours as a family in the house and no, they're being haunted. And, oh, it seems so but, different. But I looked at a bunch of different ones and each one I'd start to be like, yeah, yeah, get into it. And then I was always drawn back to this story, no matter yeah. what. It was like I needed to tell this story, which sounds stupid. But no, it's Halloween. It doesn't. It's Halloween. Yo, you all better be fucking scared because I am now. It's nutty. And I think the fact that it, it can't be the house because it followed them when they moved. I'm, But I'm saying, what if it was... Something that was on the land. Oh, waiting just for the right people to, to attach. Right. Possibly. Because Possibly. they hadn't had it happen before. Right. You know, like, that's why I'm like, I have so many fucking questions. Right. Um, yeah, I'll have to look that one up. Oh, my God. 
It's insane. And every, uh, what I've heard consistently about Ed and Lorraine is that no matter if the haunting they were investigating lost favor in the media, they continued to stay in touch with people that yeah. they had investigated for, for years after. Like, Amityville, when that was over, the family that was in the Amityville house who just left it after 28 days, they eventually right. moved to California. And Ed and Lorraine still stayed in contact with them. Like, they weren't just sitting there going, oh, I'm done with your ghosts, so... Right. Bye! Like, no. They're like, we, we want to make sure that you're okay. If you ever have a problem again, let us know. <sighs> but yeah, Ed Lorraine Warren. OJ. Um, yeah, we owe it to them. You know, we wouldn't be doing this without them. Going back to what you just said about them remembering that they were people, I think that's something that gets lost a lot in shows, especially and in the, the whole popularity of uh, ghost shows and things like that. There are people that have these experiences, these terrifying experiences that are just normal everyday people who then there's that. It's like you were saying with your story that people are experiencing these things it your story yeah it it officially it's only started the night before everyone was called in but mm. there's a likelihood that it started long before that and everyone was too embarrassed or didn't really want to say anything because they didn't want to come off as crazy but when people experience something like this and they don't feel that they can talk to anybody that's trauma and they yeah. hold on to that trauma and it it grows it's like when you have a resentment that that is a seething mm-hmm. something and it festers and it grows in you. And so these are people with who have experienced horrific, terrifying things. And that has, you know, it's changed them forever. I mean, it's shaped them for the rest of their lives. Exactly. For sure. And yeah. it's, it's just like the daughter of the Smell family said, you know, I hope it doesn't take something as extreme as what we went through to make people believers. It, they yeah. wouldn't wish their experiences on anybody. So these are people who have gone through something absolutely horrific and horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and people concentrate on the events and then it's done. And they forget about the yeah. people impacted and that they still have to continue going on afterwards. Yeah, and that's knowing, really Yeah. It's and knowing that the the Warrens kept in touch with people that just makes me feel really. And good. not just that, I mean, with the case of Annabelle and other objects. Oh, they took them. Yeah, had, they took custody of them. They were like, "We will take this and take care of it, so other people are safe." They had a whole building full of haunted things, like horrible haunted things, and they were like. We got it. We are everyone's ghost grandparents. It's fine. We'll take care of it for you. Right. Like. <sighs> hey, guess what? Yeah. It's it's that time for that tacky bit that you detest. What are you grateful uh, for? Do you know, I didn't even think about it for this episode because I was like, I have to do homework and write down dates when things happened. And I forgot about that. 
Well, try uh, to fuck up and come up with something on the spot. Well, fine. Uh, gratitudes. What am I thankful for? I am thankful that we went to the beach today. Aww. And it wasn't just Enzo and I. I'm thankful that my husband came too. But it was really nice. And, like, I'm just a super beach person. And anytime I can get my feet in an ocean, like, I grabbed three hermit crabs to show Enzo. And then I hung out with them for a little while and talked to them. And save them from certain death because I guess the seagulls knew it was about the time when the hermit crabs show up too. Yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden there were just these seagulls on rocks. And I was like, oh, well, aren't you guys lucky I picked you three? Um, so I scooted them somewhere safe. And But it was just nice to like drive down and have lunch and smell salty air. And I don't know. I just really miss the beach. My son really, really like you give him a shovel and a dump truck and he's happy. Thank you for the beach. Always would like to live there. The end. Yay. Yay. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful. Man, I actually have a few this week and I'm trying oh. to find it in the little things. All right. That's I don't good. Know if I want to do all of them. That would just be really fucking lame. Um, I don't know, but by your rules, we usually just do one thing we're grateful yeah. for. <laughs> I am grateful for, I had a really rad day with my kid today. Yay. I had a really rad day. Um, she's four. She rides horses. She's been riding since she was two and a half because her dad and I both grew up as country bumpkins riding horses and we realized that maybe we'd passed it down the genetic lineage when we went to Underwood Farms or Griffith Park and she would scream bloody murder every time we had to take her off the ponies to the point that we had to be like, they have to go take a nap. We can't ride them anymore. They're leaving. They have to you, go sleep. You've tired that, the ponies yeah, out. <laughs> we, it was not good. It was not good. So I found somewhere... Um, that actually started lessons at her at age two. And so now she's four and we ride with one of your, my good girlfriends is at her teacher and she's too. Cause I go yeah. riding once a week yeah. and man, seeing this kid at this young age and the confidence that she has and her posture is fucking insane. And she was doing rising trot for like, the entire lesson so for 45 minutes straight she's just going up and down standing up and down in the saddles on this horse not in the saddles in the stirrups and it's like it doesn't look like much when you're watching it but when you do it it's like that shit's fucking exhausting mate yeah I and think she was just rough, like right? yeah and she had a blast she had so oh, much fun oh. and then we came home and you know we just played all day and it was just really rad and i loved it so it's Halloween. What favorite Halloween, Halloween movie are you watching to celebrate? Oh, I don't know. Um, there is a movie from the 80s that mm -hmm. is the quintessential Halloween movie with Tim Curry. The Bulk uh -huh. and Diana Rigg. And it's called The Worst Witch. Uh, about Mildred Hubble, who is the worst witch the <gasps> most amazing terrible 1980s uh video effects special effects and he sings a song about halloween and it's like one of the lines is has anyone seen my tambourine and it's like he whips it out and he's like playing a tambourine 
Um, but you can find it in its entirety on YouTube. And it's not one of those things where it's like it's part one, part two, part three. It's the whole fucking movie. Oh. And it's my favorite thing. So go watch it if it's before they take it down. Not a Halloween movie, but like a scary, creepy horror movie. Mm-hmm. I always tell people to watch this. Even if you just get through the first scene, which is fucking incredible. Ghost Ship. What the fuck is that? <laughs> With uh, Carl Urban and uh, Juliana Margulies. Okay. It is about ship salvagers that find a ship, a ghost ship, like an old cruise ship floating, and they go aboard to salvage it, and bananas shit happens. Ooh. Um. But, the, you know, it's, like, creepy ghosts and, like, spooky stuff and, like, ooh, plot twist at the end. But just the the opening flashback scene is incredible. <laughs> and, like, gory, gross, creepy, incredible. And I love it. And it's such a cheesy mood, but I can't help it. So I have that, a question. Like, Yes. Do you like scary movies that are slash blood guts gory, or do you like the suspense? Um, you, it's scary because you don't know what it is. I like both of them. Like, I really enjoy Nightmare on Elm Street, the entire fucking thing. I have okay. my favorites. Uh, it's not the second one because it's the, that's the worst one. Um, oh, Hostel? Is that the one where they, it was just like, gratuitous like yeah grow like i don't want like gore for the sake of gore i want there to be like a reason for it even if it's like freddy krueger in a nightmare i need some sort of plot there not just like we're gonna gross you out and scare you yeah um like i have a pretty high tolerance for gross stuff anyway but yeah like 13 ghosts with matthew lillard and tony shalhoub fucking love that movie my only complaint about that movie is there's not enough history about all of the 13 ghosts because <laughs> i would like a prequel please if anyone's yeah. listening prequel 13 ghosts um joy what's that right there it's not funny it's <laughs> not funny i'm so I, I have the lights on in here i'm scared right now i don't know i'm gonna sleep with the light on my husband can deal with that it's not funny every cell in my body just got bristly. I that is the best way I can explain it. You know that feeling when you get scared but you freeze because you don't want to look like an asshole. Yeah. Every single piece of me just went. <gasps> so Emily, shall we say goodbye on this special Halloween episode? Mm, yes. Mm. Uh, before we go, I'd like to ask people to send us their scare mail with their stories of the odd, the spooky, the paranormal, the. I don't know what the fuck it is to the residuals podcast at gmail.com. Give us a follow at the underscore residuals underscore podcast on Instagram. And you know what? Do me a solid when you finish listening to this episode or even now while you're still listening to it and you have iTunes open, go on there, rate and review us, please. Um, (laughs) Not that I'm begging. (laughs) <laughs> please do it it would make me feel really good if you did literally that I, mean, I need validation on her knees. literally on her knees begging you just do something nice 
for someone, us, you know, <laughs> do something nice. Make Do something nice. Just make two old middle-aged ladies feel good. Yeah, Give us know, five stars. I'm just, I'm just a little, little old 40-something lady knitting a blanket for my kid. Just, you know, do something nice. Happy Halloween. Bob for some apples. Buy Don't yourself trick or treat. Right. Buy yourself a whole bag of mini Snickers and eat them your fucking self on your floor and slip into a sugar coma and wake up the next day. Cool. Fine. Don't go trick or treating. Get in your car. Drive around. Go look at Halloween decorations. Watch a spooky movie. Have a dance party. Dance to the monster mash. Dress up all day. Dress up all week. I don't care. Just don't go trick or treating. Yes. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Don't be a racist. Please vote. Yes, we got a, f- a few more days after this, and it's shit. Mm, please vote. And more importantly, don't be afraid of the dark. But I will. All right, until next time, bitches. Stay spooky. See you later. Bye. Bye. Knitting my blanket. <laughs> Look at me, everybody. I'm knitting. Boop a doop boop. Knit one pearl too, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>